live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I want to start with baseball. After all, we're coming off opening day. For all of baseball's many problems, it is tough to beat the vibes on opening day. Even the people who run the sport, who seem like they hate the sport, cannot kill the vibes on opening day. Because opening day is the one day where everybody gets to convince themselves that their team does, in fact, have a chance. Well, everybody except the fans of the team with the two best players in the world. For Angels fan, yesterday was like any other day. But give the Halos this much, at least they were in midseason form. At least they showed up ready to do what they do best. Squander the hell out of Shohei Otani. And I will give them this as well. They're absolutely elite at what they do best. Absolutely elite at squandering the hell out of Otani. Shohei gets the ball in Oakland last night. And then Shohei immediately started to do Shohei things. Shohei did what Shohei does. Six innings, 10 strikeouts, no runs. And you'll never guess how that game ended. Let me give you a hint. The Angels did not win. Saying that this is getting old is getting old. What? And it brings me less, I said, saying that this is getting old, Baba, is getting old. What? That. And this is coming from a former season ticket holder who has no problems at all with the franchise. Well, other than this problem. Well, and the ridiculous rally monkey, that too. And also the fact that they are completely wasting the greatest player that we've ever seen. Not only did Shohei mow down 10 guys and allow no runs, he called his own game. He used the new pitch comm to call his own pitches from the bump, partly because of the new pitch clock and partly because no catcher in the world has enough fingers for the ridiculous number of pitches that this dude works in. In fact, I was thinking about letting Logan Rome use that. Pitchcom would be great for Logs, except that he only has three pitches and only throws two of them. Other than that, I want Logan to embrace it. technology. It could help. Back to Shohei. I mean, it's getting stupid at this point how impressive this guy is and how pathetic the Angels are in not being able to take advantage of it at all. Historically pathetic, actually. And I say that because nobody in the last 120 years of opening day baseball has struck out 10, allowed no runs, and lost. 25 other pitchers have struck out 10, allowed no runs, and won. But until yesterday, nobody had ever struck out 10, allowed no runs, and lost. Like, futility already. One game in, and they're already setting records they don't want with this guy. Records of ass. One game in. I mean, it's like they had MJ out there facing the Monstars. I feel like we were on a scene of Space Jam right there. We got Michael Jordan, man, doing everything, going against the Monstars, man. Right. Except the Toon Squad is supposed to win the game. The Toon Squad never wasted MJ the way the Angels are wasting Shohei. 
But hey, at least they had a no-look catch in the game. Have you ever seen anything like this? High fly ball to right from Peterson. Hit well. Renfro got turned around and somehow still made the catch. What was that? Hunter Renfro. Kind of a no-look catch. He went over to Kevin Mitchell, but this time he used a glove instead of the bare head. Actually, a couple of good descriptions. Like, what was that? And Kevin Mitchell, but with the glove and the bare hand. I always say this whenever that comes up. Two things about Mitch. Number one, don't mess with Mitch. And whenever I say that, I'm like, Mitch, I mean that. I'm not messing with you at all. I don't want somebody to run that back to Mitch. Hey, Mitch, you know what Rome said about you? Rome said, don't mess with Mitch. That's what Rome said. I'm still terrified of Mitch. What was that? I'm not afraid of too many people. I'm afraid of Mitch. God, Mitch was incredible. I remember interviewing him on TV when he won the MVP. But that to me, and I could give you 10 of the most amazing defensive plays I've ever seen in Major League Baseball, but none better than Mitch with that barehanded grab over the shoulder. That was still the craziest thing I have ever seen a player do defensively. And I could give you 10 things that blow my mind that I can't explain, but that will always be my favorite defensive play that a guy's ever made. Ever. Look it up, kids. If you're too young to know or too young to remember, look it up. Mitch running out there and reaching out and catching the ball barehanded is incredible. However, this catch that we're talking about right now, that was something too. That was wild. I've never seen anything like that. That had to be the best Worst catch ever. That had to be the prettiest, most hideous grab ever. Or maybe just the most meaningless highlight ever. Maybe someone on the Angels might want to try to no-look hitting as well. Maybe if you were all no-look hitting, you would actually hit. Maybe you'd get more than one run for every one of Shohei's starts. I mean, why does this guy have to throw a perfect game every time out to win? And why is it possible that he could throw a perfect game every time out? A perfect game and hit a home run. But, but, I don't want to be all neg. I don't want to be all doom and gloom. Because the truth is, yesterday was not a bad day at all for baseball. Or should I call it new baseball? Which will hopefully be a more successful experiment than new Coke. And after one day, I got to admit, the results actually were not terrible. In fact, I can't believe I'm going to say this. The results were actually pretty impressive. As an example, the games yesterday were already down about 21 minutes on last year's average. That's impressive. Do it, Alvy. Impressive. Thanks, Alvy. Most impressive. Alvy, if you could be paying attention to even the first segment, that would be impressive. I didn't thank you for anything, Alvy. Also, only five of the 15 games crossed the three-hour mark. Alvin, impressive. Impressive. Also, steals are suddenly way up. Stealing bases, or in this case, pizza boxes, is once again a thing. Those giant floppy bases were already making a giant floppy difference. As for the pitch clock, 
there was less than one violation a game yesterday and nothing catastrophic or game-breaking. But there was one truly bizarre automatic strike call, and of course it happened to the Mets, because who else could it happen to? The Mets might already be down Edwin Diaz. They might already have lost Justin Verlander to the IL yesterday. Incredible, right? Only the Mets. But they're still the best opening day team ever. And they did manage to win yet again, even though Pete Alonso got nabbed by the ump show on the base paths. And he got nabbed for the new crime of, it's amazing actually, taking too long to get back to first base on a foul ball. Because apparently that also is a thing. Apparently that also is somehow part of the rules now. What's going on? They're going to reset the pitch clock because it took Alonzo time to get back right. to first base. Oh, I like the call that. Did they call a, a ball because Alonzo took his time going back to first? Maybe they called, they called a, strike. a strike. They called it a strike. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, how can how can McNeil? They're get, supposed get to wait for the for the base runners to get within reasonable distance of the base before they reset the clock. Well, that's a mistake by Vanover and his crew. If they, if they call a strike on him, it's a big mistake. You can't penalize the hitter. He didn't do anything. <laughs> There's no one in position to play. That, that's just not right. I don't know if that's indeed what happened. Now they're saying uh, Stalling's saying it's 0-2. Yeah. Oh man. So they did charge a strike because Alonso that's... took too much time going back to first base. Wow. That's absurd. Yep. That's what happened. Hey yo. Just because you don't know the new rules does not mean that's a mistake. My man's like, oh that's a mistake. That's a mistake. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no. Just because you don't know the new rules does not make that a mistake. You can argue that the new rule is idiotic. But you cannot argue that it's a mistake. It's a rule. So, just so we understand this, Jeff McNeil was issued an automatic strike because Pete Alonso was candy-assing his way back to first base. Amazing. The ump show is not messing around these days. And you better hustle when you're between those lines, damn it, with everything. It's not a mistake. It's part oh, of the rules man. now. And never mind that even the broadcasters don't know the rules. But that's awesome. Well, that's a mistake. No, it's not. Your issue is with the rule. It's a big mistake. Not the judgment. The no and Blue is watching you too. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents, that that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything. Succulents or stilettos. Flaky salt or fine art prints. All sorts of categories. Fashion, home and garden, health and beauty. Essentially anything. 
Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Yo, bad kids, don't forget it. They're watching you. If any of you try to pull a Pete Alonzo and lollygag and candy acid around the field, you're going to get narked out, bad kid. You'll get narked out, and then you'll get fired. That's just the new standard. Remember, the standard is the standard. And standard about feelings. I'll bet you anything. Angry Mets kid loves the new rules. I bet. I bet Mets kid. And man, I wish you were my kid. I love this kid. This kid is everything you want in a kid. Mets kid is like, Terry. Terry. It's about time we check these lazy ass ball boys and sleepy ass ball girls in check. And Alonzo. Your hustle is an absolute bleeping joke. Get the hell out of here, moleface. And go back to the minor leagues if you're going to be walking around between the lines. Oh, my God. Candy ass. Lolly, lolly gagging candy ass, Alonzo. Oh, my God, Alonzo. Get your ass back to the bag. Get your ass back to that pizza box. Oh, my God, Alonzo. Oh, my God, moleface candy ass. Terry. Peter. Terry. Pete. Terry. Ball girl. Terry. Ball boy. Terry. Ball kid. Terry. Candy ass. Terry. I don't know what's worse. The Angels doing the same old thing or MLB. All that built-in momentum. All that buzz. They've got lightning in a bottle on opening day. And what do they do? They put Shohei in Oakland? Listen, I'm not a commish. I'm not any sort of event planner. I'm not some Ivy League bean counter. But guys, take a page from the NFL and flex that start to Yankee Stadium. And if there was a moment that captured the buzz of opening day, it was this. One more thing, and man, I wish we were on TV today, if only to show this video, because the video is amazing. If not, I would encourage you to find it right now. Maybe you've already seen it, but did you see that dude proposing or attempting to propose to his girlfriend, partner, whatever, at Dodger Stadium? It's absolutely amazing. There's a dude out there. He runs out on the field. He's in the outfield. He's on his knee and turns to look at the stands to propose to a significant other. And I love how there's multiple angles of this on Twitter. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Again, this guy is on the field, turns back to the stands, sets up shop in the outfield, kneels, pulls out a ring to show his significant other who is, I have to assume, in the stands because she, he, it, whatever, 
is not out there. He's out there alone. And he probably yells out over the din, over the crowd of 50 girl, will you marry me? Maybe 10 seconds later, ballpark security, acting like it's the Super Bowl, is in a full-in sprint. They read the play perfectly and got a great jump on the ball. Perfect pursuit angle, perfect, I mean, jump the route, perfect jump, textbook tackle. Bobby Wagner would have been proud of both the technique and violence involved with the way this cat got snot bubbled. LT could not have done better. Totally trashed. Now, in fairness to this dude, You couldn't really run to the middle of the baseball diamond and not pull out a diamond ring, right? I mean, what can you say other than young love or stupid love? Look, listen, listen. If that that couple can't make it, what chance do any of us have of making it? To me, it's actually sort of a win-win for the dude, believe it or not. I mean, yes, the dude got blown up. Yes, he's probably all jacked up and in the hospital right now. Yes, he will probably be eating through a straw all the way through their honeymoon. However, think of it this way. It's actually a win-win. If she says yes, great, win. I guess it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you seal the deal. Yes is yes. If she says no, well... You still have that ring, and you can use it to pawn, to bail your ass out of jail. Win-win. It was worth it. And the video of this dude getting jacked up is incredible. This jack wagon proposed to a significant other on the field while the other was in the stands in a major league game on opening day. I mean, holy crap. I don't know if this guy is the biggest idiot ever or the greatest legend ever. As always, the answer is yes. Hell yeah! And that was not in some minor league game either. That was in a major league game on opening day. How drunk would you have to be? How much adrenaline would you have to have pumping? Like, all right, it's go time. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever proposed to anybody knows what that moment's like, right? But it's one thing to do it in a park. It's one thing to do it on a beach. It's another thing to do it even in a hot air balloon if you want to get cute. Another to do it in a fine restaurant. But imagine this idiot jumping over the wall and running onto a field. And knowing that he's got to have that clock in his head, right? Every great athlete has a clock in their head. You know, quarterbacks have clocks in their head. This dude had to have a clock in his head like, they're coming. They're coming. All right, security sees me. And this guy's probably going through all his meditations, affirmations, all the visualization, anything that a great athlete does to prepare for the moment. He's probably got his breathing technique down. He's got to be thinking, man, I hope she's watching. I hope she's watching. All right, out of the corner of my eye. It's like the guy who goes over the middle who knows he's going to get jacked up, right? I got to find a way to hold on to the ball. Get it to me. Get it out. QB1, get it out. Get it out. Five, four, three, 
Will you marry me? Two, one, splattered all over the outfield. I wonder what she said. Will, will I marry you? Are you kidding me? Dude, after you embarrassed you and me, your family, everybody who's ever known either one of us, hell no, I'm not going to marry you. The hell are you doing proposing to me on the field? Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Trent Dilfer. Trent, always good to have you on. How you doing? Jim, thanks for having me, man. My man. So last we spoke, Trent, you had just gotten the gig. You had not slept in about three or four days. You were all in. Your hair was on fire. Have you settled into your process and routine? Or, Trent, is that actually your process and your routine? <laughs> yeah, I kind of think it's a both. Uh, I'm still tingly all over. I'm still fired up. You know, we got great energy around here. Our building's on fire. Kids are loving it. Coaches are loving it. Um, people bringing the juice every day. Um, but there is a very surgical like approach to it as well, a process that uh, we have settled into. I think it took us longer than I thought it would. You know, we, dr- we drank by a fire hose for quite a while. Um, but I would say about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer. Had the whole staff here. We've gone through a lot of the, um, I would call it staff growth together, getting everybody on the same page, getting to know each other, kind of earning each other's trust. Uh, and we started rolling from there, and our process is pretty dialed in. Um, you know, attention to detail, uh, crossing every T, dotting every I, uh, making sure we're constantly focused on the player first. I think that's really the message I've tried to share more than anything else and get this building to buy into is this is about the player. It's always about the player. It's never about us. It's not even about the institution, big picture. It's about the player and maximizing his human potential on and off the football field. If we do that again and again and again, um, we're going to develop better men, better husbands, better fathers, much better football players. And uh, collectively, that'll build a, a heck of a football team. See, the thing is, trying to hearing you lay it out like that, it's very clear how you got that job, how you ended up there, even though it's an almost, almost unprecedented jump from high school ball to UAB. But there's so much more to it. Like, you were living a really good life and really happy. For those who do not know the story, were you looking to make that jump? Exactly how did you end up there? Well, it really goes back four years, and I made the jump from retirement and the cushy life. You know, I had retired in Austin, Texas. I didn't need to ever work another day of my life. I uh, played golf every day. Went around the country chasing my girls, playing volleyball in college. 
um, and realized that I wasn't the man that I wanted to be. You know, I wasn't living hard things. I wasn't uncomfortable. I didn't have my edge. I didn't have something to wake me up each morning to challenge, uh, to conquer a hill to climb. And that's what kind of got me into coaching. Um, I never thought I'd leave Lipscomb, to be honest with you. I mean, we had an incredible thing going there. Um, kids were changing for the better. We were dominant as a football team. I was pumping coaches into the next level or letting them become head coaches. So kind of, you know, became a kind of a, a factory for young coaches to come and put in a year or two of high school ball, then go jump to the next level or take over another program. if they want to stay in high school and things were rolling and, and, and really it became, what else could we do? Uh, and my, my, well, my wife really was the one that kind of pushed me and was like, listen, you know, another place deserves this. Another place deserves this type of staff that you can put together and how you serve kids and how you get the most out of them. And um, you've done it here and somebody else can kind of take the torch here in Nashville and you can go somewhere else. And that's really got me thinking about the college game. And, uh, you know, there's so many negative things said about the college game, but I'll tell you this, Jim, being here, these kids are freaking awesome. They're awesome kids. It's hard to be a college student right now. It's hard to be part of this generation. I mean, you're just hearing a lot of stuff. You got a lot of stimulus going on. You got a lot of things, a lot of lies circulating. Um, and to be able to serve this, this demographic and help them chase their dreams uh, has been as rewarding, if not more rewarding, than the high school space. Trent, you're right. They do need, we all need that voice right now, especially young people. Trent Dilfer is joining us. Trent, you're a man of profound faith. Was divine intervention a part of this at all? It was, and and I know people read this article, and I don't want to freak people out. Like, I'm not a charismatic by any stretch. Uh, I am a man of deep faith. Yes, you are, actually, Um, dude. I, I I take offense to that. You are. You're very charismatic. Well, I just mean in my in my faith state. Okay, you know, Fair I, I don't think you know God's like showing up in our offices telling us what to do. And I'd never experienced really a, a an intense God encounter like I did before I went to Nashville. I was those are another story. I, I literally felt like I heard the voice of God, and it was just basically quit saying no to me. Like I, I think for years He'd been pushing me to be challenged again. You know, the, the NFL life is such a life of hard things. People think it's easy, but it's a brutal job. Um, and I had been I had been on edge for so many years and, and been doing hard things and being asked to be uncomfortable and uh, being challenged all the time. And I kind of gotten soft and I, there was something bigger for me out there. And then I saw my, you know, me as a person deteriorating a little bit. I, I didn't, I wasn't as good a father. I wasn't as good a husband. I was not a very good friend. It was about me instead of others. That's the easiest way I'll say it. My life had become about me instead of everybody else. And I really sense God saying, you need to go do something hard again so I can shape you back into an other-centered mentality instead of a you-centered mentality. And, and that's really the story of the last five years of my life, is I've gone from being super selfish, uh, super about me, living the life, um, chasing the dollar, um, playing golf, having fun, eating good food, drinking good wine, whatever it is to, you know, wake up every morning. It's about everybody else in my life. And I'm the last person I think about outside of just trying to stay healthy. 
an extraordinarily candid response. I mean, that is as real as it gets. Trent Dill for joining us. And the story that I'm referencing is a great sit-down you had with Dennis Dodd, my friend and colleague here at CBS. You know, Trent, it's so strange. And because you were so honest, I hate to follow with this, but you were the number six pick overall. You won a Super Bowl. You played 14 years in the NFL. And most would take that resume in a second, but you were also upfront about saying, I was actually very disappointed in my career. Why were you disappointed in your playing career? You know, I'm 51, Jim. I've raised three daughters. I've lost a son. Um, I've been around a ton of young people. And as I've gotten to this age, I realize it's about chasing our human potential uh, for the benefit of others. Like we become the best we can be so we can add more value to the people around us. And as a player, I didn't chase my best. Um, I, I, I got complacent at times. I got lazy at times. Sometimes I didn't have the right answer. Sometimes the circumstances were out of my control, but I didn't become nearly the player that I could have been. I think I could have had more impact if I was a better player. I think I ended up a you know, very average journeyman NFL quarterback, and I think I had in, insane talent. Like if you go back to when I was drafted, um, I was one of the highest rated quarterbacks of the time. I, you know, six four, two thirty eight, could run four six, had a thirty five inch vertical leap, could throw a football eighty yards, blah 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 blah, like all the stuff that people ooh and ah about. And I didn't get everything out of my ability, and a lot most of it's my fault. I think it's why I'm so passionate about helping people chase their potential, and I'm just relentless about not allowing them to get complacent, not allowing them to settle. Um, to constantly push the limits. I mean, my best players here would tell you that they're the ones I coach the hardest. Like at times, they probably feel like it's never good enough, but I try to tell them, listen, that's a good thing. If I'm always pushing you to get better at your craft and you're already good, it means I see something great inside of you. And, um, you know, I just, I, I do have some deep regrets there. I wish I could have, man, I had Tony Dungy here a couple, about a week ago doing a coach's clinic for UAB. And, I almost wanted to apologize to him. Like he put together this incredible team in Tampa that in 98, 99, we should have gone to Super Bowls, and, and maybe we would have, if I played better. And, um, you know, I think of my teammates in Seattle, um, that, that home run is putting together a really good team and I played better, but I didn't play my best. Well, if I played my best, could we have maybe contended for a Super Bowl? So, um, yeah, I'm really honest about that. I'm disappointed in it, but I've also used it to fuel my fire to help other people reach their potential. So, Trent, i got about 60 seconds. I want to ask you, I think we're all guilty of that, myself included. What do we do with that? How do you make sure you don't get consumed by the regret and that you move beyond that and use that? Honestly, it, it, I have two signs in my office. I'm staring at them right now. The edge of uncomfortable is where you find greatness and do hard things. I think if all of us collectively, because I've experienced this in my life, when I choose to find things that are hard to do, when I choose to allow myself to be uncomfortable, I grow, I get better. When I see my family do it, when I see the people I uh, lead do it, when I see my coaches do it, it's amazing how much more is inside of us that can be pulled out when we're actually open to being uncomfortable and doing really hard things instead of settling for comfort and settling for leisure. And abs- Oh, I love that. What a great message on a Friday. What a great message on any day. He is the head football coach at UAB. Trent, appreciate you so much. So good to have you back. Really appreciate that conversation. Can't wait to see your team on the field. Have a great weekend, Trent. Appreciate you always. Anytime, brother. See you. Nice job. 
Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. I am in Cali. I don't profess to know exactly how you're feeling, how you're doing. In fact, let me ask you, since I don't know. Yo, New York fan. No, not you, Jet fan. Let's make a distinction right now. I'm shouting out to New York fan, but not Jet fan, not Yankee fan, not Met fan. I'm talking to you, Giant fan. What's good? What's good? What's good with you? You don't have to answer because I already know life is good with you right now, giant fan. Because you're coming off a season, a really good season. Thanks, Alvin. Thank you for getting in not not only the same segment, but the same day. Alvin, the hell are you doing back there? I know you've got your Friday grip on, dude. Alvin's, dude, your mental game. This is what happens, Alvin. People get old. They don't remember. He literally is trying to make the argument that I knew there was something, but I couldn't make the connection. You couldn't make the connection with what's good. What's good? good? Since when can you not make that connection? Dude, your whole thing is making the connection. Hey, D, what's good, baby? Dude, that's your game. Connecting with me and knowing what I'm going to say before I say it. What do you mean you couldn't make the connection? Holy crap. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, dude. You were just ro- running through that enormous Rolodex in your mind. Yeah, but dude, you've never had that issue. This is my whole point. Dude, eat some blueberries. Eat some walnuts. Almonds. Superfoods, dude. Something. Stop having so much sex, man. It's getting in the way of your job, dude. Stop having kids, Alvin. I'm trying to run a show here. Anyway. Give me back my condom. Anyway, so, 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 the Giants are coming off a year, a really good year that honestly nobody saw coming. You finally found your head coach. You paid your quarterback. Deservably so. And I can't believe I said that, but the quarterback did deserve to get paid. You got Saquon back. You won a playoff game for the first time in over a decade. So let me reiterate, life is good, Giant fan. How good? This good. So freaking good that you have your president, John Mara. John Mara has jokes. John Mara has jokes. John Mara, of all people, has jokes. Not good jokes, mind you, but jokes nonetheless, which is a major development given that this is the same dude that was willing to die on the hill that is the taunting penalty. Remember? He was the one leading that charge up the hill. He was the one willing to die on that hill. He was the one saying a player taunting another player. Again, Alvy. But nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. 
if by saying that nobody wants to see a player taunting another player, you mean everybody on the planet other than you wants to see that, then I would agree. But nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. Actually, John, actually, John, that's exactly what we want to see. That's exactly what everybody not named you wants to see. So keep that in mind when I roll out this dude's evening at the Improv Act. All right? You talk about a guy who's got no sense of humor. Nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. Dude, it's like the first thing they learn in sports. Don't quit and taunt another guy you just embarrassed. Isn't that what every athlete knows? Except Mara. So keep that in mind when I roll out this dude's evening at the Improv Act. Again, this dude, of all dudes, suddenly has jokes. Like the one that he tried about his coach, Brian Dayball, on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Check this. Right now, he's Bono walking around yeah. uh, New York City. But I've told him, I said, in this business, it doesn't take long to go from Bono to Bozo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so don't, don't get your head uh, too big right now. Don't forget to tip your waitress, eh, Johnny? Two drink minimum. Right now, you're Bono. Just know you could be Bozo. I've been around this game a long time. So as jokes go, let me just say that's goofy as hell. Goofy as hell. I know you're proud as hell of that, John. Like, you just step back to watch what you had just done. You dropped that mic. I know you did. Just know that you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be proud as hell, and you shouldn't have dropped anything. How long did you have that one locked and loaded, Chris Rock? Probably should be cautioning or shouldn't be cautioning or lecturing this guy on going from Bono to Bozo. When y'all were a complete clown show until this guy showed up. You had turned into a bozo franchise until this guy showed up. If anybody should be reminding anybody not to be an ass clown, it should be the other way around. Like, this dude can coach his ass off. We know this. I'm not at all concerned that this success that nobody saw coming is going to go to his head causing it to explode. However, hypocrite alert. However, I am a little concerned that he himself might explode. And I mean overall. My dude looked like he added five LBs per win. Yeah, I know it's not a beauty contest. I know this. And if they're winning, that's way more important than his not ever pushing away from the table. But, dude, we do need you around to keep this thing going. Oh, and another thing. Have you found any of that copper tone? Because judging from that annual coach's picture, the last thing that giant tomato that you have sitting on your shoulders needs is more color. But those are my only two concerns about Dable. My only two concerns about this dude, because he is, in fact, a rock star. Bono... 
the fact that this guy turned Daniel Dimes not only into a serviceable player, but a good quarterback makes this guy Bono, Robert Plant, Mick Jagger, and John Lennon all rolled into one. I'd be way more concerned about the success and the money going to Dimes' dome than Dable's. But even then, with another year in Dable's system, and as long as they don't let Joe, the leader of men, judge back in the building, Dimes, I think, is going to be fine. It was when you were there, dude. Honestly. So, like, John Mara, this guy will never be funny. Because grown-ass, rich dudes taunting each other will always be funny. And right now, even with all the positive buzz and Aaron Rodgers arriving at some point, your hated neighbors are still looking up at you, G-Men. The Jets still have to prove that they can put this thing together and make it work on the field. The Giants have already proven they can. They have. Bono to Bozo? Bono to Bozo. Bono to Bozo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, I understand that when you have a guest and it's a prominent guest and that prominent guest tries to crack a joke, you should do the considerate thing and laugh. Laugh out loud. Am I right, Lee Evans? You should just do that. However, I'm not going to sit here and fake a laugh at that. Bono to Bozo. Hey, John, how long were you sitting on that one anyway? Hey, John. This dude's like, hey, 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 hey. I told Dable. Right now, you're Debbie Harry. But it doesn't take long to go from Debbie Harry to Harry Carey. And then you're 10 feet under. Am I right? Oh. Oh. Too soon, Cub fans. Hey, 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 hey. Check this out. Check this out. I put my arm around Dave's and I said, Yo, BD, right now you're DB, David Bowie. But it doesn't take long to go from Bowie to Bowie, as in Sam Bowie. <laughs> No, 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 that one sucks. That one sucks. Wait, wait, wait. I got another one. I got another one. I got a million of them. That one sucked. Hey, 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 listen, listen. So, so, I look at Dable. I look Dable right in his fat face. And I said, look, look, right now, you're Jim Morrison, okay? But it doesn't take long to go from Morrison of the Doors to Morrissey of the Smiths. Who's with me? Morrissey's a candy ass, right? Hang the DJ. Hang your music. Actually, that sucks too. I love the Smiths. The Smiths were great. And Morrissey, kind of a depressing cat, but I love him too. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hey, wait. Listen, listen. Right now, Dave's is Bruce. I said, this works. This is a whole New York, New Jersey thing. Right now, Dave's is Bruce. But it doesn't take long to go from Bruce. Wait for this, everybody. Hey, Sirius XM NFL Radio, wait for this. Hey, Rome, you wait for this. Hey, Planet, wait for this. 
Right now, Dave's is Bruce, but it doesn't take long to go from Bruce to Goose. Am I right? And then you're getting your skull (laughs) cracked open by cockpits that don't function properly in the media. Goose to Bruce, Dave's. Hey, John, my man, don't quit your day job. You're not funny. And yes, players talking bleep to other players they just embarrassed is funny. But nobody wants to see a player taunting another player. Yes, we do. Always has been funny, always will be funny. Sorry to be such a buzzkill, my guy, but that was one goofy-ass joke. Bono to Bozo. (laughs) (laughs) Table's got this. Man, that is music. That is absolute music to my ears. You should know by now exactly what that sound represents that that is the very best kind of notification you could ever hear. It is the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment that another business dream has become a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. It doesn't even matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. I mean anything succulents or stilettos, flaky salt or fine art prints, all sorts of categories, fashion, home and garden, health and beauty, essentially anything. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up right now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Rome to take your business to the next level today, shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Wells in the 360. Wells, what's going on? Hey, Rome. Uh, Thanks for all the kind words. Uh, But anyways, I'm just starting to get Shohei Otani fatigue. I mean, we should all pump the brakes a little bit on this guy. So he called his own pitches yesterday. Big deal. Pitchers have been shaking off catchers for decades, which essentially means the pitchers are calling their own pitches. Also, Otani only threw 55 strikes in 93 pitches, so it's not like this guy was painting corners all game long. And don't forget, it was against the Oakland A's, so take that for what it's worth. And then lastly, your boy Jeff Passan was on Twitter uh, giving Otani all this credit for using the PitchCom device. So this required Otani to call pitches by memorizing the keypad under his sleeve and push buttons without looking at it. Wow, Passon, that's incredible. Like, it would be if not every single one of us has a TV remote at home where we do the same thing. Nobody looks at the buttons before they're pressing it. So give me a break. Otani does all these amazing things. We need to stop putting him on a pedestal for doing the regular things. That's all I got. Or the Seattle Mariners getting some jungle run and jungle karma this season. All right, well, it's a couple of things. Why do I think that if the guy were a mariner, you would be speaking of him the way we all speak of him, the right way, that there's never been another guy like him ever before? 
Now, I, I got to say, Wells, I expected you to make one of the worst calls ever, and it was horrible. But I want to give you credit for one thing. You starting off by saying, thanks for all the kind words, Rome, actually made me chuckle. That was funny. Well played by you. But then you lost me when you said that you had, quote, Otani fatigue. Wells, you accusing or you saying that you have fatigue over somebody else is incredible. What you should have done, first of all, is when I went to you and you said, hey, Rome, thanks for all the kind words, you should have hung up right then and there. That would have got you on the watch list probably. But no, you had takes. And a take including, hey, man, I have Otani fatigue. Wells, we have Wells fatigue. We have all had Wells fatigue for everything you say and everything you do. Wells, even you have Wells fatigue. Not only are you tired of your terrible takes, my man, you're Wells in the 720. You have fatigue getting out of bed. Wells, you have to take a knee taking the first step up the staircase. What do you mean you have Otani fatigue? Bro, you can't step, step off the curb without being fatigued. Come on, man. Oh, he didn't paint the corners. Oh. Pitchers have always called their own pitches when they shake off the catchers. Whoa, Abner, double day, mind blown with that. Come on, dude. Until you can get out of bed without having to lie down again. I don't want to hear about how you have some other fatigue from somebody else. Dude, you are fatigue. You're fatigue in the 360. Come on, dude. You are such a troll. You didn't mean that. You didn't mean any of that. Come on, dude. It's like no tipping Pippin. He cannot complain that he got glossed in no tipping Pippin because he doesn't tip and his last name is Pippin. Like, fatigue in the 720 cannot complain that he's got fatigue over somebody else. When you are walking fatigue. Fatigue in the 720. Dude, all you had to do was hang up as soon as you said, thanks for all the kind words, Rome, and you would have been a hero. You would have been a hero, fatigue. But no, you got greedy. You got tired. You probably were fatigued after that line. But, man, that would have been a legendary move. How you doing, Sam? Man, I'm sorry, Romy. What's up, brother? Good to have you, dude. Really good to have you. So let me first say you wrote a great piece about the Sacramento Kings for the Athletic. You actually did cover the team from 05 to 2010, so you were right in it. Sam, if I told you back in 06 that that franchise would go 16 years without making the playoffs, what would you have said back then? <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the crux of the piece, as you know, Romy. Uh, I, you know, I, I would have been shocked and stunned. And, and it's, you know, coming off a, a pretty celebrated era for that team, obviously, this Chris Weber, Vladi Divas, Paige Stoakovic teams, they, they had eight years, nine years of, of good times. Um, you know, and you could feel the downturn coming, but 16 years is, I still can't wrap my head around it. And that's kind of why I wrote what I wrote, like, just from a life standpoint, forget about sports. It's just like, my goodness, you know, you can 
look back three presidents ago, one NBA commissioner for me personally, two kids. I got a 16 year old who wasn't even born when they were in the playoffs last. It's just unbelievable that it took this long. Sam Amick joining us. You know, it's a great way to look at it. And when you look at it from that standpoint, it's such a long time. Sam, one more thing, and I know you'll back me up on this because you were in that area. I have a hard time getting people to understand this outside of Sacramento. Fact of the matter is, Kings fans are some of the best fans in the NBA. They're actually incredible fans. You cover the entire league, so I know you can speak to this and help me make that point. I mean... They are different, right? And then how would you describe what the last 16 years have been like for them? No, they are different. I know that sounds cliche. It's funny. Every player you talk to in the NBA says that they, you know, their fan base is the best. And, and, and so there's some of that that goes around. But, but I, you know, like you said, I have seen every fan base out there. They are absolutely some of the best. And to me, this season, what proves that is that it's one thing if they, if they got loud now and they got passionate now and they showed out at games now when they were third in the West about to be in the playoffs. You know, if you go back to December, like when there was just a sniff of success and they're playing pretty well, you know, I'm sitting there in December and this kept kind of cracking me up. I'd go to a game at Golden One Center and my Apple Watch, not to, that's like a bougie way of, of framing this thing, but like my Apple Watch kept yelling at me, telling me that the decibel level was too loud in my environment. And I'm sitting there going, well, that, that's not something that I've been getting at other arenas this season because the folks were that fired up just because there was a little bit of you know promise, a little bit of optimism early on in the season. It's only gotten louder ever since. And as far as what they've been through, we could do a whole show on it, Jim. I mean, the relocation saga, you know, where they almost went to Anaheim, <clears throat> almost went to Seattle, almost went to Virginia Beach, the Maloofs trying to look for an exit strategy. They couldn't get an arena deal done. You know, the, the community kind of had a, a bit of a, an uprising to make sure that the NBA knew that they didn't want to lose their team. And then the toughest part, like I wrote, was you fight for all that. They stay in 2013, and then you're staring at another decade of, of bad basketball, which nobody saw coming. So uh, I'm extremely happy for the Kings fan base. Sam Amick joining us. Sam, being the genius talk show host that I am, I will do my job. I will listen to what you're saying, not go off a script, and I will follow you. I will follow up. Regarding your (laughs) Apple Watch, dude, I'm an Apple honk. I'm an Apple degenerate. I'm an Apple addict. I have everything. Whenever Apple comes out with something, I buy it. I can't help myself, but not the watch. I don't get the watch, and I'm kind of a fitness guy, sort of. What do you use, and I've been looking lately at it again, what do you use your Apple Watch for? Is it fitness? Is it texting? Is it, what do you, what do you do with it? Uh, the texting thing, I, I was I was digging early on. I've kind of fallen off. I, I don't know why. Like, I do some of the texting on there. Um, it's fitness at this point. Not enough fitness, but it is, you know, like letting them know when we're doing a little elliptical, letting them know when we might get a few push-ups and sit-ups in, like, and, and then, you know, trying to close those rings and, and feel good about your day and, like, you got off the couch. So that's that's the main thing for me. I like it. Sam Amick joining us. It is about closing the rings, isn't it? I get that. All right. Let me, let me ask you. Boston hammered Sam the Bucks last night in Milwaukee, smacked him on Christmas Day, too. The regular season may or may not mean anything at all come playoff time, but it could. How would you size up these two right now as they battle for the top seed in the East? To me, last night, it had two layers to it. You had the team idea and, and two Eastern Conference elite squads, uh, man, I don't know, it's, it's one game, but I'm sitting there watching that thing going, good Lord, Bucks!" Like, you were, I thought you were the only thing that we could count on right now. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's funny not to, to kind of give this away, but we're doing a, uh, a players poll at the athletic that hopefully comes out in a couple of weeks. And, and one of the questions that we ask a lot of players is if, if you're, you know, you can't vote for your own team, but if you had to pick one team, uh, who's got the best crack at winning the title and, you know, the final results are not in, but for me, I just kept hearing bucks, 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 everybody believed in the bucks. And then they just go get absolutely smacked around by Boston um, at home, you know, with Giannis. I know Middleton didn't play, but, uh, or no, he did. Chris did play. I'm sorry. It just, it was a bad look. The other layer was the MVP race where these guys are killing me, where you're, you're dying for, I know it's just one game, but you are dying as a voter for just, you know, ways to separate that crowd between Jokic and Bede and Giannis. And I still am one of those people that had strongly considered voting for Giannis. And then you're watching him on his home floor, you know, with, with Jason Tatum looking like, you know, he's reminded folks that he was in that conversation um, just a bad night for the Bucks, and, and Boston looked fantastic. Sam Amick joining us. I agree with you. Sam, what about the Mavericks? They're in a free fall right now. They've lost five of six. They've fallen out of the playing spots. I mean, I'm not putting this all on Kyrie, but are you surprised that the Kyrie-Luka pairing is not working better than it is? Uh, surprised to this degree. I mean, the defense obviously was a big concern going in. They just They had zero margin for error because of the timeline of it all. I know they got that deal done a little bit ahead of the trade deadline, but you were under the gun from a timing standpoint to find chemistry, make it work, have some success. And then, the, you know, you talk about pressure, Kyrie's free agency staring you in the face just being a few months away from the day that you do that deal, especially within the context of Kyrie's tumultuous last couple of years, few years, five years. Um, that's a lot. And, and then... What has been exposed, and it certainly goes beyond Kyrie, is that you know the pieces they gave up in that trade, they, they lost depth. They're not very strong around those two superstars. And for now, it looks like a calculated risk that is going to backfire. And you know, I think a bit about Nico Harrison, their GM, with you know his Nike ties and the relationship with Kyrie, and, and the general, I think, ethos that you know Kyrie is the type of star that you just go get. And I've talked to Nico about that deal, and I understand his mentality. But, um, you know, again, it's you, you make risks in this business. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But there could be certainly, I think, a ripple effect here in terms of just where does that leave Luka and his state of mind if, if they're not even in the playoffs this year. Oh, man, well said. So what do you think the market looks like for Kyrie? Where do you think he'll end up? It's hard to tell. I mean, the Lakers option looks to be unofficially off the table. Uh, you know, our guy who covers them for the athletic, Jovan Buha, had a good piece recently that kind of explained why for the Lakers and the way their payroll is set up, that to get Kyrie in free agency would essentially mean saying goodbye to the vast majority of the pieces and the players that they picked up at the deadline, you know, who have helped them and who have given them the kind of depth that they had in 2020. So they have a two-track outlook, which is, you know, reinvest in these guys that they, you know, brought on board, which have looked pretty good, uh, or scrapped that entire plan to go get Kyrie. And, I, you know, the strong indications at this point or that they would stick, you know, they would stay on the track they're on right now. So as far as landing spots, you know, Phoenix was the one that we talked about before. I think if the Suns, flame out in the playoffs if Chris Paul doesn't look good you know keep an eye on on Phoenix because as you guys know you know Chris has got a non half guaranteed contract for next season so his future is a, a bit uncertain out there but 
um, yeah, yet again with Kyrie, a lot of uncertainty. Sam Amick joining us. One more thought about Kyrie and the Lakers. Sam, I hear what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. And they have played well since they made that move at the deadline. Don't you think, though, that all of that said, if it were up to LeBron, LeBron would do it? That if it were up to LeBron, he'd be like, yeah, me, Kyrie, and AD will play three on five and win it all? I mean, I think so, but you would also like to think that he learned his lesson from the Russell Westbrook experience, which, like, they just did that. that that's literally that, that's the formula uh, you know, that they opted for when they kind of veered away from what got them a championship in the bubble and, and they sacrificed that depth for one more star. And it just didn't work. And I understand Kyrie is a different player, no question. But, you know, uh, the way some of those guys have looked, uh, I, I, you know, again, the momentum feels right now like, uh, like there's a whole lot of love for the pieces they have and, and concern about reshifting again to go after another star. Mm. Sam Amick joining us. Sam, really quickly, what about Golden State? They should have another gimme tonight against the Spurs, but their problems are well chronicled. They're not a good defensive team. They're even worse on the road, but they do have that championship DNA. Is there any way that there's a switch for them to throw, and what do you think is going to happen once the playoffs start for them? I mean, they threw it the other night in that New Orleans game. It was wildly entertaining to watch. Uh, It's funny, as you know, we don't root for teams. We just cover the league. That night, I really needed the Warriors to win so that I had one more day to write this King story because otherwise they would have clinched the playoffs. I like it. So I've, I, I've never felt like a Warriors fan, but I'm sitting there going, you know, they're down 20, and I'm going, oh, you guys are killing me. Now i got to stay up till 2 in the morning writing this thing. And, you know, next thing you know, Dray- <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me, Draymond has is, is got a, a fire lit under him by C.J. McCollum, who was talking trash. Uh, you see a little glimpses of the old Warriors again. So – I think it's there. Um, I think they, they're going to be dangerous in the first round. My stance lately, though, Jim, has been, you know, and I still think I feel this way, like no Andrew Wiggins, no championship. Like mm-hmm. I just don't see him. They're not winning a title without Andrew, and, and his situation obviously just continues to linger on. Been away from the team for so long, and, and you know, and, and the only kind of the family reason has been given, but no clarity on, on why. And the, the team continues to support him, but that is a massive hole for the Warriors, and, and defensively, I think they're just going to continue to struggle without him. The great Sam Amick, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. Sam, appreciate it so much. Great to have you back. You got it. Thanks, Romy. Be good. You're the best, dude. Joining me to do that right now is the big head himself, James Kelly. And if James Kelly is joining me right now, it must be time for another edition of Big Head Bets. JK, how you living, head? What's up? I'm living like Sean Payton on Photo Day Jim. I'm happy to be here and happy to make some money for everybody out there this weekend. What does that mean? Um, extremely, extremely happy um, to be here. That's all it means. You, you mean can see sort, it. sort of like Mark Gray saying that Greg Maddox must really love to pitch? You mean like, like Sean that? Payton loves football and loves being back in the NFL. Exactly like that. It took you three seconds to forget that this is not our podcast oh. and you can't say junk like that. Damn it. My bad. Excuse me. Yeah, because you're sorry. <laughs> Head. Wow, dude. I need you, some you, divine you, intervention. All, all, yeah. all I said was, how are you living? And you could not wait to go to a Sean Payton blast. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> are you ready to get down the proper way and make some cash? 
Hell freaking yes. Let's God, do it. We need it. We need it. Hey, really quickly. Did you hear Bella B say on the show the other day, she just, quote, Everybody I just do what James Kelly time. tells me to do? She's the best. She's a smart lady, that one. All. All buttholes. includes you, mm-hmm. dude. All. There was no exception. Not all buttheads out there. They really are, except the big head. Except the big head. She didn't say that. Let's get it. All right. Final four. Very unusual. I know this. You've got three first-timers crashing the party. Personally, I love that, but I'll love it even more if I can make some money off it, head. Mm-hmm. Let's start with San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic. San Diego State, a very unlikely participant in that They've never been before, and neither has anybody in their conference, but it's a really nice program, right? So it's not Mm -hmm. that unlikely, but Mm -hmm. unlikely. FAU is very unlikely in the sense that they had never even won a tournament game before, yet they're in the Final Four. Yet, Mm -hmm. here we are. Here the bleep we we are. are. Head, I don't want to be broke ass any longer. Mm -hmm. And judging from my picks, that's exactly where I'm headed. Pick me up. What is the number? How are you playing FAU and SDSU? San Diego State is favored by three, Jim. I'm taking the points and the FAU Owls here, man. Um, three? I th- yeah, three points. Okay. And I, yeah, that's yeah, what I got. That, that's not what I saw, but yeah. okay, fine. Okay. And, but you yeah. like FAU plus three. I do. FAU plus three right here. I think their Sweet 16 matchup against Tennessee, an even better defensive team than the Aztecs, will serve this group good for prep here. Well, everyone serve them well. Serve them well. Dude, I, I, I can't believe you can't figure that out. That, that is not I'll hard. I'll never figure it out. That, there's nothing hard about that. It's part of my learning disability, man. I live wrong. with it. Wow, dude. Mm -hmm. It's part of you being functionally illiterate. (laughs) I don't know that you've ever gotten that right even. No. Once, I think. In three years. I think never. Three years. Yeah. Continue. Okay. Everyone is focused on the Aztecs and their ability to stop the three ball. I think that's what I've seen all week long. They rank second in the nation in doing so. But the Vols rank first there, and they're first in overall D. And the Owls showed against that great D. They can get buckets in multiple ways, Jim. They can get buckets and from several different guys, so they won't tire like Creighton freaking did. Their bench, they scored the second most bench points in all of college basketball this season. And on defense... They're good and really good inside the arc where the Aztecs' strength is. Expect them to do what they did to Tennessee and making the Aztecs beat them from distance. The Vols could not do that. The Aztecs rank 179th in three-point shooting percentage. Add the fact that they're playing in the Dome. Everybody's talking about the Dome for FAU. I'm going to say the Aztecs won't like it either, so I like that for the Owls. ATS, Aztecs are printing money right now. 4-0 in the tournament, 6-0 in their last six neutral site games. But let's go with a small school from Florida to cover, and don't be surprised if they win the game. FAU plus three. So you really like them if you think they can win that thing straight up. They might be uh, able it, to. Interesting what you said. Like I, I brought the question up earlier in the week. FAU plays in front of 2,700 people. You think that playing in front of 71,000 may have a greater impact or to the detriment of San Diego State as opposed to FAU? Yeah, because FAU is the better shooting team. I know it's going to be a problem probably for both, but FAU is the better shooting team, so I'd rather take their chances there. I think you make a pretty persuasive argument. I've been on the fence in terms of that game because I like them both a lot, but I think you make some really good arguments. What about Miami v. UConn? Now, you Mm -hmm. know, Head, it's Mm -hmm. all about the U. It's Mm -hmm. all about the U. It's all about the U. 
It's all about the U, but don't look now. One of the all-time great football schools is turning into a basketball school. Right. As far as the matchup goes for Miami, I see just one small problem. Just one small problem, mm -hmm. man. I love them. One small problem as it relates to this matchup, because after all, basketball is a game of matchups. Mm -hmm. You know what that one small problem is? What's that? UConn's better. Mm. They just are. <laughs> better. They're better. Better doesn't mean they win, but they have been a monster throughout the entire tournament. You know this on both ends of the floor. No way I pick them to lose. The question then, of course, becomes mm -hmm. how much value do we get with Miami? Head, how much value do we get with Miami? And are you going to accept that value? Uh, five and a half points with Miami if you want it. I'm not going to take it, Jim. I'm going to go UConn and lay five and a half points here. Like you said, the Huskies have been dominant in this tournament. They've been uh, beaten good opponents in the tournament by an average of 22 and a half points this mm. far. But historically... Um, it, on that point, it's not on their side in finishing this thing. This you is where it's dangerous. Point. You love yes, that point. You keep, I do. You, every day you hit me with that. You love I know. that point. It's a very good point. Usually the dominant team like this historically loses in the Final Four. The, according to the AP, since the bracket expanded to 64 teams in 1985, there's been eight teams who have had a bigger scoring margin through four rounds than these Huskies, and only two have finished. But I have more history as well here, Jim, and that's why I like UConn. That Miami defense is historical ass for a Final Four team, what let alone a team. you have? This part, ass? it's coming up right now. How okay. bad they are in defense for a national championship team. I went through Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency numbers of all the national champions over the last 20 years. No, you did not. Yes, I did. I looked through all of them, and what I found was the 2021 Baylor Bears were the worst defensive national title winning team that I could find. They ranked 22nd. Most champions are top five-ish. These Hurricanes, they rank 104th in defensive efficiency, so they are a historical ass there. That won't fly against a team like UConn, who plays high-end defense, has depth, and as good as an offense as the Canes have seen all season long. Unless uh, Lamar Thomas is on hand to try and fight these Huskies, I don't see the U winning or covering oh, this thing. I will allow that. I will allow that. Great soundbite. One of the best ever. I will allow that. You don't come in the OB playing that stuff. You're across, you're across the ocean over there. You're across the city. He you meant it. Oh, no, he meant it, dude. Yeah, he fight them all. I I'm shocked that he didn't do it. I'm shocked, that, I'm shocked that we have not gone back to that cut in as long as we have. It's God, been a long such an time. amazing cut. Why don't we do that? I don't know. There's so many of them, but I forgot about that one. But I love that one. Love Lamar. What am I doing here? I, do but I don't love his Hurricanes here. I love Dan Hurley and the Huskies. You know what? It's, I, I do, too. That stat that you have is absolutely amazing. Listen, we know Miami is so, so good offensively, and we know that Jim Laranega has done an amazing job, and he lets them have the freedom to do what they do offensively. But mm -hmm. I ask you this. How can a team that, according to Ken Palm's adjusted defensive stats, be below number 100 and still get to the Final Four? Like, how did they do that? It's that offense of his, right? And they played some very, very good teams in doing so, but it's that offense where they could 
get everything together. I just don't think they've ever played an offense like UConn's with a defense like UConn's. It's a testament to what Lara Nega's done with those four Incredible. guards and one big. Yeah, Incredible. it's great. Incredible. Great. He's one of the best coaches in the game. Dude, he's got George Mason in the Final Four. He's got the U in the Final Four, 17 years apart. And yeah. he beat UConn in 06 for that George Mason team, if I remember correctly. And that team, I thought, should have won that damn, damn tournament, too. So he's got UConn's number, too. So All that's right, not good. So I think your picks are really interesting. I have not yet hit this because I think mm-hmm. it's really challenging. As long as I have you here, why don't we take a look at a few more things? How about Packers coach Matt LaFleur okay. trying to manage our expectations for yeah. Jordan Love? Hmm. Sure we won't. You moved up to get him, (laughs) clearly demonstrating that you were ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers, only to have Rodgers win back-to-back MVPs because of that, allowing Love three years, Head, three Mm -hmm. years to sit, develop, watch, prepare, and improve. Three years. So no, Matty, we're not going to temper our expectations for Love. Nice Hmm. try, though. Well, I'm not going to temper my expectations for a first-round pick that had three years to get ready for this. It does make me wonder about the team overall. Specifically, Head, mm-hmm. it makes me wonder about your expectations mm-hmm. for the Packers this coming season. What is their over-under on wins? How are you playing that? Their over-under is set at seven and a half wins for the 2023 season. I'll go under on this. The worry is there. There will be a lot of motivated people in that locker room and building trying to prove they were just not Aaron Rodgers-led, right? Players and coaches will be motivated, so that's dangerous. And the roster isn't bad. But why I'm going under that front office, as always, and really the root of Aaron's problems all along is doing absolutely nothing like they always do in free agency. So they're relying on the draft to fix all their needs. Even with a pick or two from the Jets, I don't see the over here. I'm not a big Lafleur guy either, and that run D is backside Poulter still. They haven't fixed that. Odds makers are giving the 3-14 and 14 Bears a better chance of winning the NFC North than these Packers. Thank you, Alvin. Under 7.5. <laughs> Perfect timing. I, you know what? Normally, I would admonish and lecture you, but I'm going to let it slide today, Head. I think you're on one. I think your content is strong. I think you're on one. I'm going to even allow Poulter. Not, not, I don't need it twice, Alvin. <laughs> All right, so, again, while I have you here, mm-hmm. I do need action. Okay. I'm about that action, boss. I need action, some boss. action. Can you hit me with an NBA pick on the way out the door for tonight because I need action tonight? Yeah, man. Let's get weird, like really, really, really weird right here. I'm going to lay 16 points Stop, stop, stop right there. How weird, dude. I I don't need you to get overly weird because you're getting overly weird again. It's both overly fired. Historically overly weird here. 16 points weird, Jim. 16 points I'm going to lay. Why not? Yeah. You're laying 16 and a half. 16? 16 points. My numbers are telling me to do so and taking the Golden State Warriors minus 16 over the uh, San Antonio Tank and Spurs here. Uh, wow, dude. Yeah. You never, ever, ever That's lay right. 16. I know, but so in Golden the State NBA, is. A, no less. I know. Golden State is the best home cover in the NBA. Spurs are the third worst away cover in the NBA at covering 26% of their games. Uh, also, you hear Sacramento. You hear a winger? I did. She's yep. only 16. Yeah. Ooh, 16. Oh, nice job, Alvin. That's why you're the best, even though you're getting a little lazy earlier to start the show. But anyways, um, the Thank Warriors' you, offense is really good. Only Sacramento and Boston score more Thank points. Thank you, Alvin. I, I love a guy who works one day a week, if that, calling somebody else lazy on the show. That's Isn't rich. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's so but Aren't easy I too. great? Aren't I funny? Yeah. No, neither. 
Neither great nor funny. Oh, jeez. Finish that thought. So you're going to lay 16. Yeah. Wow. Their offense is incredible. Third best uh, points-wise in the NBA per game. And their defense at home, big key at home, is third best in the NBA as far as defensive efficiency. On the road, they're 28th. That's a completely different issue. But only the Spurs and the Rockets, they play the Spurs tonight, are worse on the road at playing defense than the Warriors. So... Point is, they're playing at home. I'm going Warriors minus 16 points. I'm shocked. I can't believe that. I can't mm-hmm. believe that. All right, Head. So, really well done. Nice job. Run it all back. You got your Final Four. You've got a Packers over under pick, and you've got tonight's Golden State San Antonio. So, give it to me one more time. Who you got? Final Four FAU plus three, UConn minus five and a half. And hopefully, we get closer to that 18 to one odds. I have a one in the whole thing. Uh, what else we got here? Packers. Over, under, seven and a half wins this season. We're going under on that. And tonight, we're getting weird with the Golden State Warriors minus 16 points against the San Antonio Spurs. I am stunned. If they want to follow you, Head, on Twitter, where do they go? At Big Head Bets. All right. Nice job. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you, dude. Good job. That was fun. Gambling is so fun, especially when you win. I wouldn't know of late. I got to be honest with you. It's hard... Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. Hope you had a great weekend. Nice to have you here. Wild, wild weekend at the NCAA tournament. You know we're going to start right there, so let's get at it. I'm pretty confident right now that every last bracket in America is completely busted. I can see where Creighton coach, Creighton player, Creighton fan have a real issue with that. I understand that. But here's what I have to say to all of that. That's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. All the way up in Oceanside, all the way down to San Ysidro, all the way up to the mountains in Julian. You can hear and you can see Aztec for Turns out Alabama was in the wrong spot at the wrong time on Friday night. The wrong place at the wrong time. Doing y'all the toughest son of a guns we played all I'm year long. I'm telling you. Key West, Boca. I want to hear from you. West Palm Beach, Florida man. We feel like because of our roster versatility, we can figure out a way to win. Dusty, I appreciate you coming back on. It's been an amazing thing to see, and I know you're not done yet. Great to have you back. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate Wally it. Wally Zerbiak joining us. It's awesome. It really is. This is what March Madness is all about. It's been a fun ride so far, and I can't wait to get to Houston. I'm thinking about Lamar all the time. The entire gym. Do you have a whole lot to say, but you do not have a studio or the equipment to do it? Well, now you do with the entire jungle. 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 Order now. Get a buzzer. Ah. A deck of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even a slow-mo. Uh-oh. Back now. Time is running out. The freaking disease that you catch from the toilet seat. At one of your parties. My man, your run has come to an end. Brian Dutcher is my guest. We've got incredible fan support, Jim. You know that. The Padres have put a great product on the field. Now San Diego State basketball continues to win, and now on the biggest stage. And we slayed the murder accomplice, murder apologist accomplice, number one overall seed, San Diego State, or San Diego Padres. Hold on, my alarm's going off. Ah! Oh, man, I'm sorry about that, Matt. I was on your side. That hurt me. How much you want to bet that Big Mike stuffed a dozen breakfast muffins in his jacket pockets? Chocolate chip muffins. And if you have a chocolate muffin, essentially you have a birthday cake. And then a cherry pie in his back pocket. Preparation breeds confidence. Twitter. The Broncos country getting a sneak peek in our new cover one defense. Not going there either, left. 
Hopefully, Tracy, with two E's, you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Hey, even the best make mistakes. Tom Pelissero joining us. Is there any way he would sit out and not play? Anything is possible right now for Lamar Jackson. That He believes Lamar ultimately will be the starting quarterback. It's just there's not really a clear path to exactly how that's going to happen at this point. Excited about Jordan. and Stop telling us how we should think and how we should feel about it. We all have to kind of temper our expectations. No, no, actually we don't. Matt, and nobody's going to. And nobody should. It's go time. Um, and I'm obviously calling about Rogers. So I kind of equated to, shout out to last Sunday's sermon at church about Lazarus coming out of his darkness tomb. A Lazarus shout out. Ron Gutekunst and Jordan Love are probably going to be a marriage made in Ham and egg heaven. What? Jordan Addison joining us. So generally when I'm stepping on the field, I got to make sure that everybody in the stands remembering who number three is. When I'm out there on the field, I just show energy and everything that I'm doing. Before they leave the stadium, everybody got to know who three is. Oh, that guy? What a he is Sean Casey. <laughs> listen, man, for me, I love that. I, I listened to that episode, um, Romy. It was incredible. Eric Burns, to me, man, is a guy that, talking about shot out of a cannon. That episode's a must listen. Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. Yeah, but Rome, that's the city flower, right? Tumbleweed. No, no, a tumbleweed is not a flower. No, no, no. Jimmy, my beef is with my girlfriend for making me go to her fat ass friend's birthday party instead of WrestleMania this weekend. Why can't you clean up your mess? I'm going to have to take your nose, the scruff of your neck, and smear your face into that crap so you can remember to clean it up. Jimmy, I got a beef with all of Alaska. It's not that great. My beef is actually with you. Mm. Yeah. And you continue to let Messlene call in which QB she finds beefy takes or how hot Johannes is. Those aren't hot takes. Those are hot garbage we go to omaha kathleen tell that crusty grimy bitch amber in portland to keep my name out of her bleeping mouth so great now we have a fake kathleen well that's a mistake it's amazing how much more is inside of us that can be pulled out when we're actually open to being uncomfortable and doing really hard things instead of settling for comfort and settling for leisure no andrew wiggins no championship doesn't take long to go from Bono to Bozo. Debra <laughs> <laughs> says, I don't like that call. I don't like that call. Yeah. Yeah. Romy, anytime, bud. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you down the road. Come on, play with skill. In that unbelievable podcast that you have, Romy. We're loving every minute of it. You and Albie. Historically overly weird here. The last 25 years. What was that? Uh, thanks for all the kind words. Good night now. Good night now.